Don't call it a comb back. I'll have hair for years. Wake up in the morning feeling like P. Diddy. Hey, what up, girl? Grab my glasses. I'm out the door. I'm gonna hit this city. Let's Before go. I leave, brush my teeth with a bottle of Jack. Cause when I leave for the night, I ain't coming back. I'm talking. Live from the Finley Toyota ESPN Las Vegas studios. The little chick she could do in one of those big envelopes and not a box. Because those. <laughs> This is the press box. Those big envelopes, you know, you can fit a lot in those big envelopes, like the puffy ones, and then they can expand. You throw a few chicks in there, they'd be okay, probably. With Grady and Bischoff. Stop trying to save money shipping your chickens and on ESPN Las Vegas. Back at it. Hope you had a great holiday weekend. It's Ed, Tyler, and Jared. We slept a lot. Let's go. The first bite. Will Bill Foley make the Golden Knights keep both goalies? <laughs> well, seeing as how he's putting a statue up of one, maybe he should. Uh, if he might. This is interesting because I think uh, I know David Shane wrote about this a story with Bill Foley, the Golden Knights owner. Like I really believe, like if it was completely and totally up to him, that he would. I do too. I think he would. So <laughs> just... this was Bill Foley's quote to Dave Shane in the Review Journal. That's all going to be up for discussion when we start talking with the pro scouts in two weeks or so. I like having our two goalies. They're both skilled. They're both great guys. Alternating two top goalies like that, really getting into a tandem situation, I believe really helps. But we'll just have to see how things evolve over the next few weeks or so. Well, take out the good guys, Park. You're supposed to win hockey games. I don't know how much that matters. Foley has said in the past that he wants to keep Flurry. Like he's talked about in the past the whole Marc Andre Flurry retiring as a Golden Knight scenario, the one that Marc Andre Flurry and Alan Walsh mentioned last week. Um, I guess this this comes down to the conversation we've had before, where how much. Does Bill Foley say, I want this done versus how much does Bill Foley sit back and let George McPhee and Kelly McCrimmon do what they want, what they think is best? I think for the most part throughout this organization's history, we've seen Bill Foley step back and say, hey, I hired these guys to run the team. They're going to run the team and whatever they want to do or whatever they say is best is what we'll do. I wonder if that still applies when we're talking about Marc-Andre Fleury, who is the most beloved player in franchise history. I mean, that's what should apply. I mean, there's few owners throughout sports. I mean, the one that jumps out, I think, to everybody is Jerry Jones that has undue influence to his organization and makes decisions over coaches and, and, and others, the heads of others. But I think I always think good owners have it have an opinion, which they should. It's their money. It's their team. But if you hire McCrimmon and McPhee, then don't micromanage and let them do their job. And if it proves to be wrong, then their jobs are on the line. I mean, I think that's how you best run an organization. Not everyone does that. Some owners are completely opposite and aloof and, you know, kind of in it for whatever and, and, and don't make any decisions. So my, I think if you're the Golden Knights fans, your hope is that Foley has an opinion. But when push comes to shove, if McPhee comes to them and says, we can move Flurry for this, it will make us better get a center depth, make us better in the power play, whatever the reason would be, then you'd step back and allow him to do his job and allow him to do that. I don't know if he'll do that as much as he loves Marc-Andre Fleury. I feel like because of Bill Foley, the Golden Knights are more likely to trade Robin Leonard than Marc-Andre Fleury. Because, we listen, 
Alan Walsh came out last week, told The Athletic, Flurry's open to signing a reasonable extension, right? What's reasonable? Who knows? Who knows? Alan Walsh probably thinks it's $10 million because yeah. he just won the Vesna. But <laughs> it was five, <laughs> and then he won the Vesna. He goes, no, it's 10. So if, it, you know, but I, I think if you presented to Bill Foley, Marc-Andre Fleury's willing to sign a contract extension. You're going to have to pay him $7 million next year, but then for three years after that. Pay him four. $4 million right. a year. I think Bill Foley might say, okay, let's sign that and trade Robin Leonard. And then our goalie problem, well, which he maybe doesn't think is a problem based on his quote, but the goalie problem is now over with, and Robin Leonard's gone, and Marc-Andre Fleury is your goalie for the next four seasons, and... You're paying him seven and then four, four, four to finish out that contract. I think Bill Foley would take that. I, I, I honestly think in if if it was if Bill Foley just made the decision himself, option number one for him would be to just keep. Be, Bill I Foley. think option was one is you don't make any change. Option two for him is to keep Flurry, sign him to extension, and trade Robin Leonard. I think option number three, and there's a big gap between two and three, is to trade Leonard. Or to trade Flurry and keep Leonard. I think that, no, like, I totally that's agree. the last thing. If it's up to Foley. That's the last thing Foley would want to do. Now, again, did, is this the first time or is this the, the first significant time that, that Foley puts his foot down and says, no, I know you're the GM, but this is what I want. I want you to keep Marc-Andre Flurry because I can see that happening and I can see, like, I can see as an owner who is who is involved in the team, involved in the fan uh, base, yes. I can see him making the argument to McPhee, listen, this guy is beloved with this fan base. He means more to this team than just what he does on the ice, than just whatever his salary is against the salary cap. He means more to the team than all of that. So we've got to keep this guy. I can see Foley making that argument. And as an owner who cares, maybe cares what the fan base thinks, like that's not a terrible argument. Now, as a GM who probably shouldn't care what the fans actually think and should only care about, okay, what's the best roster to win the Stanley Cup? The GM shouldn't care about that, but I can see the owner making that argument and it being a valid argument from his point of view. Would you be nervous if you're McPhee and McCrimmon and you're not invited to the preseason uh, Montana uh, party for everybody? Like every year they go to Montana to like talk about the season and everyone gets the comedy from McCrimmon and McCrimmon. Isn't it about time we go? It's like, yeah, you, you can stay back. Fully uh, invites Alan yes, Walsh Alan Walsh instead of, of McCrimmon and McCrimmon. The problem I have with all of that is, and I completely agree with you in terms of his love of flurry, but if it came down to, hey, Mark Andre said he can sign a you know a reasonable extension, like if you're on the outside looking in, I'm like, hey, that's great, good for him, and you know he's going to take less money to stay at the franchise. Like four years down the road, two years down the road, even next year, I just don't think there's any way he's as good as he was right. this year. Oh, so yeah. if you're talking like four years down the road when he's, I don't know, he's pushing forty or he's forty. I think that's a bad business decision. Yes. I mean, it would be totally about loyalty and love for the guy. And all that. That's not how you win in professional sports for the most part. Um, you know, I'm sure there's examples throughout the history of sports where you picked a guy because of loyalty and he was great. But I just think if you're reasonable and you're outside looking in, look at his history of goalies at certain ages. And here's the other thing about him next year, which we forget because everyone talked about condensed schedule, condensed schedule. So until Fleur, until Leonard got hurt, they were they were trading off. So Flurry got good rest. You're going back to a regular schedule next year. I don't know who the backup would be. Let's say it's Logan Thompson. But Put him in. I mean, how many games on average would a backup play in a regular season? So we've seen this from coaches, mainly Gerard Gallant here, where he just refused to play Malcolm Subban right. in stretches yeah. because he thought games in November were so important they had to win. 
and maybe Pete DeBoer views it the same way because they're they're coaches and they every game in November you got to win every single game. It well we've talked about it. In reality, Logan Thompson can probably start every single game for him next year and they win the division. Like that, yes. that like and that could help Flurry yeah, so by can, giving him more rest. I think if you're if you're the Golden Knights next year, regardless of which one you get rid of, if you get rid of Flurry or Leonard, you can play Logan Thompson a significant amount next year. 20 games? You, probably more than that if you want to. You can play him 30 games next year if you want to, and you're going to be just fine. And I think that's a legitimate conversation they have to have when trying to figure out what to do with their goaltending position is, hey. But that favors Flurry. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, in their mind, in, yeah. in, in their, that would be one of the reasons Fo- uh, Foley would say, no, let's keep him because the division stinks and he's right. not going to have to play 70 Cause, anyway. Because you're looking at the division and you're saying – the Golden Knights are going to be favored to win this division. They're probably going to be the biggest favorites of any team to oh, win their easily. specific yes. division. It's it's that projected standings like was like 115 points, points was more Some than the second points. place team. And here's the other part of it. We've seen once you get into the playoffs, being the one seed doesn't really matter. No. It's all about getting there. You just got to be in the top three. You're telling me that three teams in this division are going to pass the Golden Knights. No. There's zero chance that happens even if Jared was in net for the entire season. So, like, I think as you talk about what, like, when Bill Foley says the tandem and it really helps and all that, I think when you look at next year, you've got to take into account how bad the division is and that you don't need to have excellent goaltending to win this division. You just don't. You need excellent goaltending in the playoffs to win the Stanley Cup. So you need one of these two, whoever you pick, or if you have both, whichever one you pick when you get there, you need one of them to be great in the playoffs, but you don't need a great goaltender throughout the regular season. Is it a given if they get a good offer for Leonard? Is it a given in your mind that they would extend him, or they'd say play it out at seven million? We'll see if you're still as good. Now you're now that's a risk, obviously. Well, and here's the thing: it might not be a risk because if he really wants to stay here and he, he wants to keep his family here. Who's to say if he's really good next year? Then he won't sign the extension. I mean, why do you, again, we go back to, you've said it often. We have no idea where they signed Flurry to an extension in the first place. There was no leverage. They didn't have to. He was locked up. So why not? Let's just say Leonard's traded. Why wouldn't you just play him one year uh, one year more, and then if he's really good, then, then sign him to the right. reduced extension? Why would you lock up four or three, right. four years now at his age? That makes right. no sense. Because he is, again, he's coming off his career best season. Yeah. When he was 36 years old, that is an absurd thing for any player and pretty much any sport to do is to have a career best season at that age at 36. Mm-hmm. The chance that Marc-Andre Fleury regresses is extremely high. And the chance next year that Fleury is he's not a Vesna finalist and he's the ninth, 10th, 11th best goalie in hockey is very, very high that that happens next season. And if you're signing Flurry to an extension, you would rather do it after that year where he's the 10th best goalie. Let him play it out next year if you want to keep him. Then after this year where yeah. he's the best goalie. But again, it does all go back to when Alan Walsh says reasonable, what does know what that reasonable means. mean? Because when I hear reasonable, if I'm the Golden Knights, reasonable means like two more years at like $2 million. Yeah. Like that's reasonable to me. But the guy just won the Vesna. There's no way that's what Alan Walsh no. thinks is reasonable. Alan Walsh might I think, think he's he deserves like a five raise. or four. Yeah. I mean, Alan Walsh might think he deserves a raise because he again he just won the Vesna. So when I hear it, it all depends on what the hell does Alan Walsh think is reasonable? Because listen, two years, two million dollars, uh, sign it, fine, sign it up and keep them both, and you'll you'll suck it up and bite the bullet this year with two goalies for that much money. But then next year. Leonard and Fleury, you can have them both for $7 million total after this next season. So, it, again, it comes back to what is reasonable. And and if it's if it's a short-term, not-a-lot-of-money deal, then, yeah, go for it. If it's Alan Walsh saying, hey, he won the Vesna, give him $6 million, 
No. Uh, you can't do it. Right. You can't do that. So, yeah, it's in their best interest weight. So let me ask you this. What If you put a percentage on it, what percentage chance do they have both of these goalies on the roster when the season starts? See, I think it's like 70 or more. That they have both on the I roster? Do, I, I just think that... I, I mean, you listen to McCrimmon. The only out you get here, the only out at all of what he told Dave Shane is, we'll see how things evolve. Again, whatever that means. Yeah. I think he really wants Flurry there. And if they can move other people, if they don't sign Martinez back, if they can do some other things to help them. He also talked to Dave about needing to improve the power play and push comes to shove. He would want both. Yeah. Do you think George McPhee and Kelly McCrimmon walk in to see Bill Foley, they put on some highlight tapes of Jack Eichel, and they're like, we can get this guy. He's 24 years old. We can get you Jack Eichel. We can get a superstar center for your team. Show him like a five-minute presentation on Jack Eichel highlights, and then at the very end, it's, but we have to trade Flurry. In that instance, I think he trades him. And, yeah, you basically bait him into yes. you can get a great player. In that, in that instance, I think he would, given that level of player. I do. But you have to but move on from Flurry. Are you the... I mean, you won't be the only ones. You won't be the only yes. ones GM, GM and showing that, <laughs> showing an owner that tape. So, yeah, I don't even know if. And that's the thing. It, I guess in that instance, as much as fully loves them, the easy part would be move on flurry. The hard part is okay. What do you have to do now? I mean, right. so you, to leave. Okay, that he's gone, but now the ten things, whatever we have to do now to get Jack Eichel, then it becomes the issue. Right, because the other part of that presentation is okay. We traded Flurry away for a third round pick. Now we also have to give up Shea Theodore right. and three first round picks right. yeah. to get Jack Eichel. Yeah. We got you okay on Flurry. After lunch, we're going to show you this tape again, and then we're going to tell you what we really have to give up to get Jack Eichel. All right, coming up next, we will jump into the NBA as game one of the finals is tonight. I think the best thing happened to the Milwaukee Bucks was Giannis getting hurt because they have unleashed Drew Holiday, the aggressive Drew Holiday. I think he's going to be fantastic in the finals against Chris Paul, as much as I love Chris Paul. If Giannis is 85 to 90%, I'm going to go with Milwaukee. It's the Press Box with Grady and Bischoff on ESPN Las Vegas. Last week, I gave you the dumb hot take of the Bucks are better without Giannis because they play a better style. And we've now confirmed it's a dumb hot take because Charles Barkley seems to agree with that dumb hot take that well, the Bucks would be better without Giannis. You got to hold on. I'm calling up my app to bet everything on Phoenix <laughs> because Charles Barkley just gave the insinuation the Bucks are going to win if Giannis plays at 80%. This is the same analyst who famously said a jump shooting team can never win the finals. <laughs> It's impossible. While the Warriors <laughs> were on their way to their first championship. Uh, I think that the problem the Bucks are going to run into, though, without Giannis, is even though they can play like a better style of offensive basketball, they're going to play the Phoenix Suns and have to defend the Phoenix Suns. And what Giannis does for you defensively is, is a mess. Like, he's an unbelievable defender. You're playing a team that's been very good offensively. Like, you're they're going to miss Giannis on the defensive end a lot more than they'll miss him on the offensive end in the series. It we'll see what Giannis plays. I know the official report right now is that he's doubtful for game one tonight, which would seem to imply he's not going to play tonight in game one. And even if he did end up playing, he would not be at a hundred percent, which we've seen guys not played a hundred percent and it hasn't ended up very well for most of those guys. So Harden was a factor. <laughs> 
James Harden in his first game back from that injury was what, 0 of 10, 1 of 10 from the floor or something 48 like that? 48 minutes. Yeah, he, he didn't come off the floor, but he didn't exactly score very much. And obviously on the the worst end of it is what happened with Anthony Davis, where Anthony Davis tried to come back and was clearly not able to play basketball and had to leave the game very shortly after that. So, I mean, if, if Giannis is doubtful for game one, are they getting a 100 or even 90% Giannis at any point in this series? I don't think so, and I, I heard the show before us, and the, the person made a good point. Like, I don't think any of us here ever thought Kawhi Leonard was playing again, like this year. Like, no one. It was almost silly. We're like, he's out for game one. He's out for the whole series. This is different, though, I think, uh, to where now if he's doubtful for one, I think there's a chance he's going to play. Heck, he might play tonight. So I do think we're going to see him. Um, I just don't, look, I don't think they can – pull off what they did without him in the previous years. I think that gets harder and harder. I think Phoenix is a better team. That makes it even harder. So if he doesn't play, I don't think they can win the series. Now, I, we also heard uh, someone in the previous show say sweep. I don't think they're sweep. I don't think anyone's sweeping anyone. Because I do think even back in Milwaukee, Middleton and, and Holiday would just have a great game and they would just win a game just because of them. Um, but I don't think they can win the series without him. But if you're saying he's 85 to 90% and do what you just said and mostly play at the defensive end, then I do think so. Because I do think Middleton and Holiday can make up a lot on the offensive end. But if he's there defensively, they might have a shot. I think the main problem with Middleton and Holiday is we have not seen them do anything consistently in terms of like leading offense. Like Chris Middleton this year has had some really good games yeah. in the playoffs. He's also had a few games where he shot like 11% from the floor. And that's why I just don't think they could keep it up. Right. And so there should be, like you said, if, is there going to be a sweep? There'll probably be a game or two, even if Giannis never plays. There'll probably be a game or two where Holiday and Middleton are awesome yeah. because they're good players. They just haven't mm -hmm. really proven, hey, I can do this five, six times over a seven-game right. series. If they can do it two or three times over a seven-game series, maybe. So that's going to be the issue for the Bucks. is you don't really have, you've got guys that can do it, but you don't have guys that can do it in every single game. And defensively, it's a big hit. Plus what we're judging Middleton and Holiday off of is what they did against the beat up Nets and the, eventually the beat up Hawks. Like the path for, honestly, the path for both of these teams is riddled with injuries right. on the other side. So the path is not really a good indicator of what this finals will look like. Can I also say this about the Bucks? This sucks. They made they made the finals. Like they they made they've had they've been one mm -hmm. of the best regular season teams in basketball for the last three years. They finally made the finals, and Giannis might not even play. And even if he does, he's not hundred percent. Like this sucks. If you're the Buck, this is this is terrible. Yep. I'll ask both of you this, and I know Jared's a Milwaukee uh, fan because my son asked me yesterday. I didn't really know what to ask answer because. I don't know how much I care about people's legacies. I know they care about it. Like, whatever, you have a legacy or not. If he doesn't play and they win it all, does that completely tarnish him? And do people just say, you know what, you weren't there and it's not part of your legacy? It depends on what happens after this. Like, if if he if his teams never win another title after right. this, and they're, but they're great regular season or whatever, yeah, that's a pretty rough look if you're Giannis. Like, that's a brutal look if you're Giannis. Don't get the ring. Now. That's, yeah, and that's why I said I, I don't care about that stuff, but I my opinion was more yours. Well, well, if he doesn't play in the finals and they still get the ring and he wasn't there, it's almost as great as he is, like you've said the last week, it's almost an indictment on him a little because it's like, well, did you really need him? And I don't think they can beat them without him, but what if they do? Yeah, it'd be strange. I think, so what, what happens over time is we forget context. 
But I think in the immediate future, the next four or five years. If they didn't win it. Well, what if they don't get back to the well, finals? I'm going to say in the next four or five years, we're going to look back at this year and be like, what the hell was that year? Like, we're going to look back at it and say, everybody got hurt. Like, that was a bizarre NBA finals. And right. if, like, let's say the Bucks win the title this year. Giannis never plays. We're going to look back at it and say, that was a weird year. We don't know how the hell the Bucks did that. But everybody got hurt. If the Bucks then win another title with Giannis... Then we're looking back saying, okay, that was a weird year and the Bucks pulled it off. If they never win another title, then, okay, the Bucks pulled it off in a strange year and Giannis wasn't a part of it. Giannis never got it done after that. Like, yeah, that's going to yeah. hurt the way we view him as a player. It's going to be kind of the same way we view him now. I mean, that's the, the tide hasn't, it's not been Simmons level, but the tide has sort of been building up on Giannis of, okay, this guy's really good. He's been good. Can you win a title with him? And if they do, in fact, win it this year without him, that's going to be a strange way to discuss what Giannis Antetokounmpo is. And I feel not feel bad. I don't either way. I mean, I don't really care who wins a series, but this is we were saying this. I mean, as they've proven to be a great regular season team, but you know the Nets probably won't be as as banged up, and other teams won't be as banged up. This might be the shot. Yeah, this might be it. I mean the. The East next year should give the Bucks a legitimate chance to get back to the finals. The Nets are going to be the favorites, but then mm-hmm. after that, what is Philly doing? We'll see. Is Boston any good? Are the Hawks actually going to be that good again? More like, so than Phoenix will have a much tougher time. Right. The much East is going to be set up where Milwaukee should probably be a top two team. Maybe there's a third team that gets in there and they're the third best team. But Milwaukee should have a legitimate chance to get back to the finals next year. But even if you look at it from the Western side, like the Lakers should be much better next year. The Warriors should be the Warriors. I think what William Hill has the Warriors as one of the top yep. favorites for next year. In Clippers terms of if everyone the stays and is healthy. Right. There's three teams right there that, okay, that, those could be the actual three best teams of basketball with the Nets. And right. the Bucks aren't a top four or five team next year. They're just sort of fortunate they're in the East because there's not any other legitimate contenders. But yeah, yeah. it's after this year, I think you can have that conversation about a lot of teams. Oh yeah, the Hawks. I mean, does Atlanta ever get back to the Eastern Conference right. Finals? The Hawks, the Suns team that we're about that we both think is about to win the NBA Finals. Yeah. Are they going to be back here next year? Are they going to be even like yeah. a top three team in the West next year? Utah, you can throw in there as well. I Denver, forgot about Utah. Yeah, Denver, who they lost Jamal Murray before the just, playoffs. They but forget like, about themselves. Yeah, but like, there's a whole bunch of teams this year that you can say, okay, are they legitimate title contenders after they had Man. a really good regular season or a great postseason run? Jamal Murray, but that West is just low. It's ridiculous. It's yeah, ridiculous. It's absurd how good that that conference is going to be next year. Why'd LeBron go to the West? What was yeah, he doing? Yeah, as soon as you said that, as soon as you started naming things, I was like, hell, just go to the I Heat. Saw, I saw a report the other day that if he leaves, the leader in the clubhouse for Kawhi Leonard is Dallas because the GM has been with him at, few, oh, at previous God stops. Sake. I mean, you throw him in with Luke. I mean, the West is just ridiculous. All right, coming up next, we'll stick with the NBA as Jamison Welch joins the show. Just a team that's trying to play himself is trying to do it as a committee. When Giannis is out there, a lot of times we could just give him the ball and let him go to work and, you know, let him uh, orchestrate a lot of things out there. Without him, um, we have to do it by committee. You know, I think guys have done a great job of adjusting with him not out there in two of the most important games of our season. We're back to the press box with Grady and Bischoff. Joining us now is Jameson Welsh. Follow him on Twitter at the Jameson with two E's in the Jameson. How are you this morning? Hey, Jameson. I'm doing Doing well, doing well. Thanks for having me, fellas. Yep. Uh, how much does it suck that the Bucks finally made the finals, but Giannis maybe won't play in any of the games? I mean, you make it to the finals, make it to the finals. You know, it's better than going out and sixth in the conference finals <laughs> or losing in the second round. So you make the finals, you get there, you figure it out once you get there. You hope you get a hot game from somebody that doesn't normally have a hot game. 
and you try to steal one on the road to buy you out of some more time. Uh, what does Wayne and Tyler mentioned before about his defense? If he can't play, what happens at that end defensively for them? Can they handle the Suns at all? Um, man, that's a really good question. Now Milwaukee's pretty good defensively, but Giannis is going to be needed more on the offensive end because defensively, the you know Bucks are pretty solid. They have you know they have Holiday who's a good defender, Milton's a good defender. Uh, you know they have some guys who are good on that area. They need Giannis. They need that thirty and fifteen from Giannis. Though that is the difference maker because that would neutralize anything Aiton gives them or you know gives the Suns. And if they're not able to do that, then it's tough because if Aiton's able to get his eighteen and eleven or twenty and with thirteen, whatever he gets, and there's really no one combating that, it's really difficult. Plus, you'd want to throw a different type of body. At eight, because if you got Brooke Lopez on the whole game, man, that pick and roll is going to be a problem defensively for Brooke. So, yeah, it's going to be very challenging. Um, however, I will say this Milwaukee shoots a lot of threes, and they get a lot of good looks off their action. It wouldn't surprise me if they got a game in Phoenix just based off of their ability to shoot the three and get a lot of points off their normal action. However, I think that's their only way to steal a game. I don't think they can play straight up in a sense to get a game in Phoenix. I think their best way would be able to hit like 23s in a game. I think that's probably their only option, um, you know, to steal game one or game two. When this finals is over, who do you think is the bigger star from it? Devin Booker or Chris Paul? Oh, Devin, Devin Booker. We know who Chris Paul is. I mean, we've, I mean, we've known who Chris Paul is since like 2002. You know what I mean? Since, you know, he was in high school and, you know, the whole thing with his grandfather and everything. Like, we've known who Chris Paul is. Yo, he's a first ballot Hall of Famer, one of the best point guards of his generation. Uh, so, you know, we've known who he is. Devin Booker is always the guy that was a good player on a bad team. It wasn't his fault. They drafted poorly for several years. Um, so, you know, he was always that guy. So people kind of knew about him, but didn't know, know about him. You know, he got enough for some all-star games and all that. And then now, you know, he's on the national stage. Uh, obviously, he closed the Lakers out with a big game. Uh, game one of the last years, he had a big game. Um, he's the guy for me that I look to have a good series. Uh, there's no more, you know, fake hustle defense by Pat Beverly to bother him or to break his face, you know. So there's none of that anymore. Um, you know, he's probably going to get Drew or they put like Pat Content on him, all that stuff. You know, he should be okay. So uh, Devin Booker should be the Finals MVP if I had a bet on it. Should we make too much of Middleton and Drew Holiday from the previous series, or was it more Trey Young was uh, banged up and they just can't play that way for seven games? Yeah, I mean, once Trey Young got hurt, it was kind of over because Atlanta didn't have a lot of creators on offense. They didn't have enough playmakers. Um, as good as their, some of their young players are, they're not ready yet. Like, Cam Reddish is a very talented player who's probably going to be one of the next most improved type guys going into next season. However, they're just not, they weren't ready for that. They need more playmakers available. They're also missing DeAndre Hunter as well, who's very good for them. Um, you know, so once the Hawks kind of fine tune their roster, they're going to be okay. But the Hawks need to make a big move. They have a lot of, they have too many guys they got to pay and not enough slots and money. So they're better off going all in on a guy like a Jalen Brown or Bradley Beal to kind of balance out that roster and kind of go for it because Trey Young is an awesome player going to be there for a long time. We know what he's about. But you need that bonafide number two guy, and it ain't John Collins. So 
Uh, they got that. They got the six games without a bona fide number two. If they can get a, another solidified all star there, watch out. When we look back in, in, in the short term, like three, four, five years from now, when we look back on this season and this playoff run and whoever wins this title, like how are we going to view it given that both teams in the finals basically ran through beat up teams? I mean, I'll put it this way. I'm not big on asterisk titles. I don't, I don't really believe in that. Um, you know, I think that if you get there, you get there because everybody's playing with the same deck. You know, like last year in the bubble, we all knew the circumstances. Everybody knew the situation. And the teams that got there got there. Um, you know, this year, it's, it's a very unique year, but I'm all for random teams getting there. Like, the Suns and Bucks, the Suns playing one of the biggest markets in the country. Phoenix is a big city that no one talks about. Like, Phoenix is like a top 10 city population-wise, but it's a, it's a small basketball market. Milwaukee's not as big. Uh, but no, I, I think that it's good to see teams that aren't normally there. Uh, it's also, you know, good for the, the casual fan. Because you got to remember, the casual fan gets tired of seeing the same team and the same players. When the Warriors made it to the finals five straight years, there was some fatigue there. When LeBron was getting there for the whole decade, damn near, uh, people, the casual fan kind of got tired of seeing him there. You know, so you got to re- look at it like this: the person that checks in the playoffs and checks in in the you know in the finals, they're looking like, oh, okay, this is a new guy. I don't really know about. I've heard about these guys. I don't really know about them. I'm going to watch. I think it is good uh, to see, you know, different teams from time to time. But people got to understand these things do happen. You know, the injury part, I think it's going to be worse next year because you're starting back in October. You're not having a normal offseason, you know, summer leagues in August this year. So, yeah, I think we're going to have the same story next year as well. Is there any chance uh, Kawhi Leonard opts out? Oh, absolutely. Um, He could definitely opt out and sign for more money. Uh, He could opt out and go to a different team. Um, it wouldn't surprise me at all. I mean, you know, that's a guy that he, he marched to the beat of his own drum. So you just never know what he's feeling. doesn't really talk a whole lot uh, about his business, and I, I respect that. Uh, he's also a guy that his body, I mean, depending on how banged up his knee is. Now, we, we, we were told it might be an ACL injury. It could be a sprained ACL. It could be a torn ACL. No one knows yet. But if it's torn, that's a totally different discussion. I don't believe it's torn because we, we probably would have heard that by now. But once we find out exactly what that injury is, then, you know, whatever move comes next would, you know, kind of make sense. But I do see him opting out, and I see him uh, being able to keep his options as open as possible. And that might mean leaving the Clippers for the Knicks, the Heat, um, Dallas. Who knows? You just never know. You you, you never quite know uh, what a guy that doesn't, just, doesn't talk that much in his camp He's a tight ship, and you got to respect it. You mentioned Dallas there. I'll just I'll just give you an open ended one on this. What do you think of their off season? Um, they need a second star next to Luca. You don't want to you don't want to get to the point where you have disappointing season after disappointing season to the point where he starts to think about going elsewhere. You want to put a second guy around him some way, shape, or form. So when it comes time to it, it's like, hey, we tried, we did this, did that. If it didn't work out, that's one thing. But you cannot, you cannot not try to improve that situation. Uh, I also think they got to play a different way. As good as Luca is, you can't be your usage can't be that high. You can't be the guy shooting all the shots and being the playmaker and throwing the ball to people with five seconds left on the shot clock. That's not fair. That's not how you're going to get things done. 
you're going to wear down as a basketball player. As skilled as he is, as good as he is at this age, he's going to have to come off the rock a little bit for the greater good of the team. Uh, I don't want to read too much into this, but Kevin Durant just arrived in town wearing an Oakland A's hat uh, for USA basketball practice. Maybe he knows something everyone else doesn't he's, about the A's over there. Yeah, yeah, but he's, might, he's coming to Las Vegas, so maybe he knows something we don't. Um, I do want to ask you this. Uh, Jalen Rose made some news uh, talking about Kevin Love, and he was outspoken saying this is tokenism. He should not be on this team. Uh, he is not. He's been hurt. He has not done uh, enough to be on this team. There's several guys who should be on it. One, what did you think about the comments? And two, should he be on this team, and why do you think he is? Well, he shouldn't be on the team. Like, that's the first thing. We've, we've, we've seen Kevin Love the last couple of years. Like we, We've seen him. We've seen the action in Cleveland. Like He's like, he don't want to play no more. Like That's what we've seen. Um I don't agree with the token part because we have had all black um, Olympic basketball teams. So I don't believe I don't believe the token part per se. It's more of a favor than anything, though. Um, Kevin Love is a Hall of Fame guy. He's a guy that he has experience with Team USA. Um, he's a guy that has a big name. So it's more of a I would say more of a favor than a token. Um, it's also one of those things where if a guy is trying to rehabilitate his image and try to rehabilitate his trade um, value, Team USA is not the worst thing to, to go about it that way. So I wouldn't say token. I think that was the wrong word. I understand where Jalen was coming from because it's like this guy, Kevin Love, has not been at a – he he's damn not been a starter level, uh, starter level of play, let alone uh, you know Team USA level. Uh, there's other guys I would consider, like Julius Randle was a guy I thought could have got consideration. You know, he's a guy that – you know, younger guy – uh, better defender for sure. Had a coming off an All NBA type season. You know that's the guy I would I would have preferred to make the team. Would have made more sense. But Kevin Love has history. He's a really good shooter. Um, you know, and you know that's kind of how it goes sometimes. Sometimes people will go with who they know and take a chance on someone who hasn't quite been in the program like that. Well, and I'll say this from the very beginning, Colangelo and you know, Colangelo made it a point to say we will we will reward loyalty. And he has played for them. He's played a lot of international basketball. I don't know what that, why, if that's the reason, but you could make an argument it that is. is the reason that Colangelo says, if you're loyal to us, we'll be loyal to you in the end. You know, I'm not mistaken. Kevin Love has been on world championship teams and also the uh, the Olympic teams as well. So mm-hmm. I get that. And I was, you know, if you dedicate your summer, if you're dedicating multiple summers to it, like I get it. Like we may not agree, but I understand where he's coming from because you can't have a guy that is sacrificed three or four summers. Team USA, and then if he has a you know an inkling for it, you turn him down. Like it doesn't quite work that way. So I understand where he's coming from, and I get it. Um, my biggest thing would be uh, I would like to see the other options as well. Like I would like to see the other options. But I get the loyalty part uh, when you have a program like that. You know, you kind of have to reward loyalty because a lot of these guys have other options for the summer. They don't have to play Team USA. They they don't. But these guys have chosen to do so. And we'll see how it turns out. But Kevin Durant wears hats because, you know, you know, sometimes his hair is a little different. Um, <laughs> you, know, you guys have seen it you know, on television. It is what it is. Uh, but he, he does wear hats pretty much all the time. That's kind of kind of his thing. Hats, beanies, you know, that's what it is. Is this like when you told us James Harden has a tricky body? <laughs> yes, he does. Yes, he does. Barrett Davis is the originator of the tricky body. Barrett Davis is the guy that 
he looked like the outside linebacker, but he dunked on seven footers. It was the weirdest thing ever. <laughs> well, we'll add uh, Kevin Durant with, uh, I guess, can, can we call it tricky hair? Is there a better adjective? No, nah, it's not tricky hair. That ain't nothing tricky about it. It is what it is. Y'all don't seen him for 15 years. You know what it is. Um, for those who have covered Kevin Durant, Kevin Durant has been on Team USA since 07. So, yeah, here we are. <laughs> Well, he is Jameson Welsh. You can follow him on Twitter at the Jameson with two E's. Uh, Jameson, thank you. We appreciate Thanks, it. Thanks, Jameson. Hey, not a problem, guys. Thanks, Thanks for having me. Next time we have him on, we just need to get his definitive list of tricky body. Yeah, like, tr- the tricky body hall of fame. Tricky body hall of fame. Yeah, starts get, with Baron Davis. You guys start off asking actual basketball questions, and then I'll just come in at the end and be like, "All right, forget about any of that. What we need is who's got a tricky body, who's got who's who needs to come home on their hair." Give us, give us, give us the goods. He was right about Baron Davis. I forgot about Baron Davis. Oh my god! He was like this kind of stocky guy who then would like elevate and like dunk on people. Like, how did he do that with that body? <laughs> tricky, tricky. <laughs> He's a tricky guy. All right, coming up next, I think we're about to witness one of the greatest All Star Game weekend performances of all time from Shohei Otani. You're sitting in the press box with Graney and Bischoff on ESPN Las Vegas. Follow them on Twitter at Ed Graney and Bischoff underscore Tyler. Shohei Otani got picked to the all-star team as both a pitcher and a hitter. And it sounds like he's going to pitch and hit, or at least they're going to try to have him pitch and hit in the all-star game. Um, I mean, it's, it's, we have, we have not talked about Shohei Otani enough. I know it's early base. It's early in the baseball season still. Well, we're halfway through, but it's not like we do a lot of baseball aside from making fun of the Dodgers and the Astros around here, but show what Shohei Otani is doing is unbelievable this year. The fact that he's leading major league baseball in home runs. First off is anybody that's leading baseball in home runs doing a good job, but that he's also got an ERA under three this year. Like the guys, it, it, it's unbelievable. It, I, I can't like it's the best baseball season I've ever seen. It's yeah. halfway over. It's amazing in that the one thing. Look, I want to see him hit and pitch in the All Star game, but I'm almost as excited to watch him in the home run derby. Right, he would, especially in Colorado. Yeah, I mean, like if he starts elevating pitches there, who knows how many he can hit? Like it, it's incredible what he's done. Now, what I'm curious to see. So Joe Madden apparently talked to Kevin Cash because Kevin Cash is going to manage the AL team. Joe Madden is Shohei Otani's manager with the Angels and told him, like, yeah, if you, you can hit him and pitch him. Like, it's fine. But Joe Madden also said that, like, Major League Baseball can relax the DH rules. So I'm excited for, like, an all-star game. Like, it's an eight-year-old softball game where there's, like, <laughs> ah, you can pinch run for the catcher when he gets uh, on base. Then get to the, then get to second base and steal the sign and tap your helmet for a <laughs> fastball. Um, not that I'd ever teach that. Uh, that was the, it? To, that was all it was, to, was tap the helmet? <laughs> Well, for fastball, tap the helmet. I think for curveball, it was, it was tap the uh, chest. Uh, I mean, they're eight. Who picked up on that? <laughs> Certainly not the catcher, uh, <laughs> whose whose gear was ten times bigger bigger than she was. So we were okay with stealing signs eight years old. Um, so Jesus Christ. <laughs> no. Um, okay. Two things stand out. One, it's hilarious because most times managers are like, look. Don't one inning and get player. him the hell off the like if I'm the Mets manager, I'm look, he can throw one pitch and then get him the hell out of the game. So this is Joe Madden saying, play my guy forever. And second, there's no question he's gonna pitch because of how cash deals with pitchers. So if it's two outs and a six, some guys like struck two guys out in six like six pieces, like, ah, hey, here out. 
We got to get you. Yeah, that last fastball didn't look very good. Shay, you're in. So I assume we're seeing him a boat doing both things. I mean, the other part of this, though, you don't have to actually relax the DH rule. No. Like, okay, hold on. It's the all-star game, but it's in the National League Park, so the, the pitcher's hit, right? Ooh. I know the AL. I think that's... Like the pitchers, won't I don't know, actually, but I think if so, I think it's completely silly. Well, the pitchers won't actually hit; they'll be right. pinch hit for, but yes. their their spot comes up in the order. Okay, right? I will. I I think that's what Madden means, and I think it's stupid. Well, okay, so here's here's all you have to do if you're Kevin Cash. Whenever the pitcher spot comes up for the first time, Shohei Otani pinch sure. hits and yeah. then just stays in the game as, as the, the pitcher, pitcher yeah. Yeah. pitches the next inning, and then he's done. I mean, as an All Star game, just have a DH. I mean, it's just so stupid. You try to get everyone in the game. That's a way to get people in the game. I See, I'm not so sure about that because I absolutely am convinced Robert said yesterday Muncie's going to be a DH. DH. Okay, so there is a so DH I'm almost the All-Star game. He said Muncie's going to be the DH, okay. so there has to be a DH in the All-Star game. So, okay, so Tani would have to be the DH and then... Or like you said, pinch it for the right. So what? So, okay, so what the rule would be, what Joe Madden would want to happen is... Otani's the starting DH for yeah, the American yeah. League team. In a real game, if your DH takes the field, you lose the DH. You no longer have a designated. Maybe that's hitter. what he was thinking about. And so maybe he, Joe Madden what, is saying, okay. Is that what he meant? Yeah, maybe Joe Madden saying, okay, Otani will hit once through the order and then he'll come in to pitch. Yeah. But baseball will let them sub in a new yeah, DH I mean, and not lose the DH. It's the All Star game. game. Let them do what, what's. I mean, you still have the, uh, you still have the rule where the winner gets to host the no. World Series like, or the no, home. They, they don't have that. Thank God they got rid of that. They got rid of that which because was the, the dumbest, AL had hosted yeah. it for like twenty yeah, years. Which was the dumbest rule they ever had um, in terms of uh, that. So if none of that is on the line and nothing's really on the line. I say you make up rules as you go. Who cares? Make up rules as you go. Like like in the morning, just say, hey, what do you want to do tonight? And everyone gets to like do four rules. Let's play two two seven-inning double-headers because people love them. Let's just uh, pretend it's extra innings. We'll put a guy in second every inning and see how many we can score. Like, who cares? I mean, (laughs) if if it's tied after seven innings and everyone's tired, we just go back to the home run contest. If it's the whole cliche, if it's about the fans, then you do everything you can to make Otani do everything he can. Right. Like If it's really just about the fans, who doesn't want to see that guy hit and pitch? Make him play left field, too. Yeah, I mean, just he should I be think... one of those guys who plays a different position like every inning. Yeah. Am, I, am I the only one that thinks that DeGrom might out-hit him, though? It might. Put DeGrom in the home run dirt. Yeah. Although DeGrom thinks he hurt himself swinging one time, so... Probably, He'll be fine. He, he probably doesn't want to do the home run derby, which, by the way, on Otani, that's what the Angels need to start doing. When he pitches, he's got to stay in the lineup because he's not only their best hitter, he's like the best hitter in the sport. But like, they got to start sticking him in the outfield because when the Angels pitch Otani, they don't use a DH and it means they lose the DH once he's out of the game right. and they've got to pinch hit or, or have pitchers hit. Right. Like, they need to start sticking him in the outfield after he starts. Now, they're not going to make the playoffs, so maybe it doesn't matter and you don't want to put him out there for no reason. But, like, let's just say, hypothetically, whew, hypothetically, the Angels actually made the playoffs for once. Like, Otani's got to stay in the game when he pitches. Like, he pitches game three or something. You've got to leave him in the game and stick him in left field. Like, you can't take that bat out of a playoff game. So, they put him in left field in the All-Star game. They finish fourth or fifth. Is he an easy MVP choice? Yes. Oh, yes. I agree with you. I'm just the, I'm just saying he's like, yeah. you know, you know, Red Sox fans. Starkus is falling off the scaffolding right now yes. saying some some Red Sox. I agree. With I think his, it's I think it's easily Tatis and Otani, but 
I'm telling you, people say well, they finished fifth the place. is just the NL one. The AL no, that's is, what I'm saying. His yeah. biggest competition is yeah. Vlad Guerrero, and they're going to finish in third. Yeah. So 